The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But life hadn't gone well for Jacob. Life had gone to a catastrophe with Jacob. Life had gone to one great disappointment, one great frustration, one great absolute mess in his life. And he's mad and he's angry at how his life has turned out without God. And he's frustrated, and all these frustrations have come down to, he, to he's going to get even now with one night, all night wrestle with God. And he sees in God, his wrestling opponent there, God has stood in the way of Jacob's plans to make a beautiful life without God. And now's Jacob's chance to vent his anger against God in this wrestle with God. Because Jacob sees in this one, in this one who has God become a man, or God man, the one who is, he sees in this one, he's, this is the one who's put all the obstacles in my life that have foiled my life plans. And now Jacob is thinking, I can get even and I'm gonna wrestle with all of my might just to show, I mean, if I die in the process, I'm gonna show how frustrated I am. And he sees in this God-man, the one who is responsible for allowing Esau to come after him with 400 men to, to kill him because Esau wants to set the record straight and get even with Jacob for what he did to him and stole the birthright. And now's Jacob's chance to wrestle with God who has allowed Esau to come after him with 400 men. And Jacob has been made, Jacob has, has tried to make himself a self-made man. And Jacob has worked hard to build his self-made little empire. And Jacob sees, the, sees God now as the one who has put thorns in his way, thorns like Esau, thorns like Laban. And Jacob's chance now is to get even with the great with this great wrestle against God. And this is a typical stage, a very typical stage when a person starts out as described in Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. We all built our lives just like Frank Sinatra sung it. I did it my way. And we were proud of my way. And we were proud of what we did our way. 
And we were proud of our self-made life, like Jacob was. And Jacob could sit down in the evening and say, let me tell you what I've done. And like Eve in the garden, after she ate that forbidden fruit, and her eyes were opened, our eyes were opened in our life without God, as we finally realized that there's no such thing as the right way. The right way is my way. The right way is whatever the situation presents itself, and we adapt what is right according to the situation. We said, I should not follow what God or anyone tells me to do. I should follow what my heart leads me. I should follow because I'm going to go my own way. And we just became one more person when that happened, encompassed in the word all. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We said in our life without God, like Jacob, we don't need God. We don't need to turn to God's way. We'll turn to our own way. We'll turn everyone to our own way. And with this new freedom that we experienced along our way, we tasted that we tasted of what God had called sin, and we said, that tasted pretty good, pretty good. I think I'll incorporate a little bit of that into my way. Why not? Because my way is the right way. And we had what Hebrews 11.25, we did what 11, 20, Hebrews 11.25 says, that we enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season. That's what it says. And the pleasures of sin are enjoyable for a season before the consequences hit. And with our new freedom of becoming a self-made man, we enjoyed some of those pleasures of sin and we said, that was nice, that felt good, that was enjoyable, that was pretty good. And we incorporated some of those pleasurable sins into our way and we said, it feels good to finally be free, to be a sheep that goes his own way. It's pleasurable, it's gratifying to finally turn to my own way. That was us, that was Jacob. And God looked at our lives and he said, iniquity, iniquity. And God looked at our lives and saw sheep going astray. But we didn't care what God looked at. We didn't care what God saw. We didn't care if God said it was iniquity. We just were busy building our self-made life free from God and apart from God. We had plans, we had hopes, we had visions, we had expectations for how our self-made life was gonna turn out apart from God. But God loved us too much. He just loved us too much to let us go unhindered in a self-made life that would end in hell. So God brought into our lives, like he brought into Jacob's life, the Labans and the Esau's, and Jacob didn't like it, and we didn't like it either. And we were like Jacob in being frustrated with God for just not leaving us alone to have our good self-made life without God. And we have to remember how Jacob felt, and that was given to us. That's why I went back and read that in the beginning in verse seven where it says, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And that's the way God brought us to a place of being greatly afraid and distressed. And in his fear and in his distress, Jacob blamed God for how his life turned out. And like Jacob, when our life 
without God hit the rocks. And we were, we were like Jacob. We were afraid and we were distressed. And then we blamed God for how it all turned out. And Jacob thought about how, Jacob, how Laban and how Esau in his life were like branches of thorns, like a branches of a thorn bush, the pricks, the thorns, and they stood in the way. I was trying to go down this narrow path and it was just grown over with branches. I turned around a corner and I saw branches of thorns and branches of pricks. And they were standing in my way of having the good life without God. And I looked at that and I got frustrated and I said, I'll go through those branches, they won't stop me. And so just like Jacob tried to go through those branches, and they hurt Jacob, and they scratched Jacob, and they tore Jacob, and we felt the same way with the frustration and saying, I'll just go straight through it into the thorns, and they scratched us and pricked us and tore our skin, and Jacob and us, we got frustrated, and then we turned like Jacob, like Paul, and kicked against those thorns, kicked against those pricks, and just like when Paul, and then finally, and God looking down said to Paul, in Acts 9.5, it's hard for thee to kick against those pricks. And it was hard for Jacob to kick against those pricks of Laban and Esau that stood in the way of his self-made life. And it was hard for Jacob to kick against those pricks that he wanted to, he wanted to, he was so frustrated. And he realized God has put those obstacles in my life. And so he's wrestling all night with God and he kicks against the pricks that God put in the way of his life. And the more we kicked, the more we got frustrated with God. Who put those things in the place in my, in my way anyway? God did. God allowed them to be there. We were like Jacob, so frustrated that we're ready to wrestle with God all night like Jacob did. And that was the first phase in, in Jacob's journey to coming to God. Jacob laid it all out, and he was blaming God for putting those obstacles, those thorns in his way. And he was kicking against those thorns, and, it, and the more he kicked, the more he frustrated he got. That's the first phase in our journey to God. Blaming God for putting those thorns in our way is frustrated as we kicked against those thorns. Get out of my way, we said. As we kicked against those thorns, they only jabbed farther into us. And the first phase of blaming God and being frustrated is in those words of Genesis 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Then came the next phase, in the next verse, in verse 25. And what we see here in verse 25 is where it says, and when he saw that he could not prevail against him. That's the next part. Now this is now the second phase, which basically means that Jacob did not, was not winning the war. He was not winning the war against God. Really and truly, nobody wins a war against God. It's pretty sad, it's pretty pathetic when a person thinks, I'm gonna fight God and I'm gonna win this war. I'll, bring, I'll build my own personal Tower of Babel and I will reach from the top of my Tower of Babel and I'll grab a hold of God's foot and I'll pull him off his throne. That's sad when a person actually thinks that. And Jacob had wrestled all night long and neither side was winning. 
Now from God's side, God saw that Jacob was not going to just give up. So we have the words from God's side in Genesis 32, 25. And when he saw, this is God, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, from Jacob's side, Jacob saw that he was not gonna prevail against God either. And that's the second phase where Jacob realized he can't win a war against God. Such a brilliant genius that Jacob is. He realizes he can't win a war against God. And that's the second phase in our lives. Such brilliant geniuses we are. When we finally realize we can't win the war against God. We can't win the fight against God. And we understand from this phrase that it was the man who was really God who saw he prevailed not against Jacob. In other words, these two phases that a person typically goes through as he comes to God is that first, he lives his life on his own terms, he wants his own way, he has his own way. At first, life goes pretty good, pretty good, pretty well. He makes his own decisions, he's guiding his own life, and then he may even say he's a Christian, but life is really not what wilt thou have me to do, which were the words of Paul after he was told it was hard to kick against the pricks. But life is really, what will I have myself to do? Every day is getting up and saying, ah, now what do I wanna do? That's what I'll do, because I go my way. Now this is the phase in Jacob's life where he was with Laban. Life was good with Laban. Jacob wanted a wife, Jacob got a wife. Well, actually he ended up with four wives, but at least he got a wife. Jacob wanted cattle, Jacob got cattle. Well, he may have used a little trickery, uh, some, uh, uh, poles that he carved some stripes in by feeding trust, but he got a he got he got cattle. Jacob wanted a son. Ah, Jacob did good. He got twelve sons. Very good. And they didn't exactly all get along and make him happy, but he got sons. But anyway, by and large, Jacob could look back and he says, "I've done pretty well for myself when I was with Laban, until the tragedy came." And this is the night of tragedy when Esau was coming to settle an old score with Jacob, and he's brought 400 men to make sure the job gets done, because the last words that Jacob remembers when he left Mama and Papa's house was that was Mama saying, your brother Esau comforts himself by purposing to kill you. And now this is the phase that is so typical of the self-made man turning rotten, turning upside down, this is the news that a relationship is disintegrating. This is the news that cancer has been found. This is the news that the business is failing. This is the crush of the conscious that's full of guilt and shame. And all of a sudden, the self-made life is no longer good. It's no longer life is good. And all of a sudden, it, the reason why it's not good, it's God's fault. It's all God's fault. And all of a sudden, Genesis 32, 24 is what happens. Jacob's left alone and wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And this is the time when God is blamed. This is the time when there's a venting of anger toward God because it's all God's fault. This is the time when people in the peak of their ruined life wish that they could just wrestle with God because it's his fault for my failed life. And this is the time when if they could, they'd wrestle with God like Jacob all night long. In other words, the phrase is emphasizing the anger that Jacob has against God because his self-made life is turning out bad. Then comes the words, it comes the next words where it says that what God did in verse 25, he touched 
the hollow of his thigh. God touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And so where God made it, now we see that God's made it even harder for Jacob. And he's brought it to a, to a, to a head and he's brought it to a pinnacle here as God puts Jacob's thigh out of joint. God dislodges his, 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 his femur from his hip, his bone from his hip. The ball from the socket comes out. And Jacob knew that God had touched his thigh and put it out of joint. And Jacob realized that, he had, that God had touched his thigh. And it was only another confirmation for Jacob that he was right, that God was the one that was opposing his life. And that's just like this phrase, is when a lost person realizes that he doesn't have a string of bad luck, it's not just that, uh, you know, uh, bad, bad uh, consequences here, or bad, bad coincidences, but he realizes that it's God himself that was putting all those rose bushes, those, those thorny bushes in my path, and now it's come to a head where something really bad has happened, and the person says, ah, I suspected that God was behind preventing me from having a good self-made life, and now I know that God is preventing me from having a good self-made life. And then comes the words as we read them here. And Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And Wells' words, Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. They express to us the intense pain that Jacob felt as his thigh was out of joint. With those words, Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. We feel what it was like for Jacob to have his thigh dislocated. With those words, Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The important part of that verse and those words, that phrase there was, as he wrestled with him. In other words, as the verse says, Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The words emphasize the excruciating pain. Can't imagine it. The excruciating pain here that Jacob was in, that Jacob was feeling from not just having his thigh dislocated, but to continue to wrestle as his thigh was out of joint. That pain must have been unimaginable. We can only just try and imagine how painful this must have been for Jacob. But a tremendous change has happened in this wrestling match. And this is what we're getting to. This is the greatest part of all, the tremendous change that occurs here. And there's two parts of verse 26 that show us this great change. And we gotta look at them separately as we look at verse 26, because the first part is the words, let me go, let me go. And when we read those words, let me go, we understand now that Jacob is not letting him go we understand that Jacob has now made a gigantic change, that this Jacob, who was fighting against God, has now changed from being the fighter against his opponent. But with these words of his opponent, of the man, of God, who says, let me go, we see that Jacob has now become a man who won't let him go. In other words, he's a person who now is holding on to, or he's clinging to this person, he's a clinger now. He's a clinger and he won't let God go. 
So when Jacob's opponent says, when God says to Jacob, let me go, we understand that God, as Jacob's opponent, was trying to get away. He was saying, he was wanting, Jacob, will you let me go already? He's trying to get away. And when God said to Jacob, let me go, God's trying to get away from Jacob, and Jacob knows that God is trying to get away from him. Now we know that what God was doing to Jacob was wonderful because God succeeded in what he was trying to do. God was trying to lead Jacob to himself. As it says in Romans 2.4, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. See what Paul is saying here? He's saying we are, the subject that we are talking about here in Romans 2.4 is the riches of his goodness and forbearance. The riches of his goodness, the riches of his forbearance, and long-suffering. So yeah, all three are the riches of God's riches. The spite of the riches of, of his goodness, which is the riches of his forbearance, which is the riches of his long-suffering. All this is are the riches of God toward us, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That's the goodness of God. That's the forbearance of God. That's the long-suffering of God leading to repentance. And what we see here is God in his great skill at work, the great skillful soul worker, God is at work. And as he's at work here, his work is to lead Jacob to repentance. It's a, good, a work of goodness. He wrestled with them all night long. He just simply had to look at him and turn him into a pile of ashes, but he didn't. Why? Because we're seeing the riches of his goodness. We see the riches of his forbearance all night long. Forbearance. We see the richness of his long-suffering, his patience. And all of this is leading Jacob to repentance. So this verse answers, this verse in Romans 2.4 answers the big question that's in our minds when we read this. Let me go. God says, let me go to Jacob. And we ask a question. Why would God, who wants Jacob to change from his non-God-centric life to a new life of having God as his center, why would he want to get away from Jacob? Why is he saying to Jacob, let me go? Why do we see God trying to push him off him? Stop, get away from me. Stop holding on to me. Push him away. Because it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If it says that God is not willing that any should perish, that includes Jacob. So it means the Lord is not willing that Jacob should perish. And since God is the only way for a person not to perish, why would God try to get away from Jacob? Why would he say, let me go? I mean, if God is not willing that any man should perish, why is God so non-obvious to everyone? Why, is, why does God keep himself behind a veil today so that men can stumble in their darkness into atheism? 
so that men can stumble in their darkness into evolutionism, so that men could stumble into every other no God belief. Why does it appear that God is saying to every person, let me go, let me go? Why does it appear that God is trying to get away from every person? This is the grand question that follows the words of God to Jacob in this chapter when he says, let me go. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619 599 1104. God bless you. <laughs> 